This is Unfilter, episode 288 for July 25th, 2018. Breaking news, more secret tapes. Federal prosecutors tonight in possession of 12 different audio recordings that were seized during FBI raids on Michael Cohen, the president's former lawyer. This is according to court filings. And it comes just three days after we learned there's a tape of Trump and Cohen talking about a payment to a former Playboy model who says she had an affair with Trump. Hey, everybody. Happy summer to you. Hopefully, wherever you are, you're nice and cool, calm, and collected because we're ready to jack up that stress level. Once again, it's time for Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. My name is Chase, and joining me in the studio this week, I know, it's crazy. Hey. Mr. Hey, you're here. Hey, buddy. Face to face. Good to be back, We're man. both wearing San Francisco shirts. Oh, yeah. Well, for you know, odd reasons. because it's, it's hot out. It's like that's that's like the best of my warm wear is that stuff that I had to get while I was in California. That's well, really how the well, math works. Well, somewhere. welcome home. Thank you, buddy. It's good to be here. It's uh, good to be running the board again. It's good to be uh, you know back in the action saddle. I do not as appreciate. I've always called it. I do not appreciate you bringing the heat back with you. I know. I know. You should have left it where I, it was. I apologize about that in particular. That did not go as planned. But man, thank you for running the board while I was gone. Yeah, man, it's always fun. You know, I thought since we're gonna be back in the studio, we might want to start back in an area like our power area. Mm, I, I can I can I predict? If, I mean, I guess if you want to spoil it. I guess. ASL. Yeah, how'd you know it's the yeah, cyber? You, yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe we're a little predictable. As long as we're talking about Playboy models. we got to warm up somehow. Can we talk about Playboy models? Well, let's talk about the GCHQ. <sighs> That's not fun. Privacy International brought something to light about uh, two years ago. If I asked you to visualize a hacker right now, you might picture a lone, hooded teenage whiz hell-bent on corporate downfall. But hacking can actually be good. In the right hands, it is used to reveal weaknesses in computer systems which, in theory, makes us all safer from things like having our bank accounts compromised. It's a bit like cars and crash test dummies. Aren't we glad that clever scientists test our cars and make us safer? Sometimes governments can be like that scientist, protecting your safety. But other times, our safety isn't their concern at all. In fact, their goal can be to identify weak points in order to take advantage of you. Yes, the government can hack you. Well, assuming you own a computer, phone, tablet, or any other device that connects to the internet. So very, very, very scary. So there is a there's a long, interesting backstory behind Privacy International, and they're trying to raise awareness uh, around you know spying in general, and trying to make it maybe even like a like against human rights, like against uh, Article Eight of the EU Convention on Human Rights. That's their goal, but uh, it sort of spiraled into some coverage about two years ago, and then nothing's really been said since then. Well, as we record this, two days ago, the the Investigatory Powers Tribunal has ruled that the GCHQ, MI5, and MI6 engaged in indiscriminate and illegal bulk cable tapping surveillance for 15 years. 15 years years, perhaps even longer, in a 113-paragraph judgment handed down today filed with assurances that 
they say in here, there's some really good stuff like, oh, they lied to them about uh, about some of the legality around some of this. They also failed to provide um, um, some material documentation that they said they would provide to the tribunal. They, and these are only really kind of some of the vague inferences we get in this 113-page PDF. Uh, the agencies also had to amend their witness statements several times after it became obvious that their original comments claiming that the foreign the foreign secretary obeyed the law in full were just simply not true. Like, there's a lot of little things in there about all of these laws that they broke, including some potentially really major ones. Um, but there's no punishment. There's no, no reprimand in place. There's nothing going to change. It's just sort of, so what? This just sort of happened, and I guess nothing's going nothing's to really necessarily change. And... Uh, I, 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 f- I, found it, I found it fascinating because this whole thing has just sort of surfaced this week and it really kind of got kicked off back when Privacy International, which is a charity that first brought this case two years ago, lost its attempt to overturn an earlier ruling that legal oversight of the GC- GCHQ's bulk spying regime was not fit for its purpose, as in the people that were watching GCHQ were not doing a good enough job. But it failed at that but it did snowball into some of this. It's kind of a it's kind of a fascinating thing. It's sort of like a yes, they've broke these laws. They even lied to us when we tried to investigate. Uh, but we're going to do nothing about it. So is this where the power of the people come into play and vote and get people in there at will? <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, when when you say uh, things like nothing is going to happen and nothing's yeah. going to be done, right? The people have the power, and. You know, if everybody came together on one common goal, sure, one sure. thing. I mean, and yeah. this is what happens with protests, right? You get out there, you, yeah. everybody has their own thing that they want to protest. Sure. You get everybody together on one thing. Right. They go out there and... You can make a difference. I you can can't. make a change. <laughs> you can. I just can't. But people... They won't. People are lazy. Like, no, it's not no, that. No, They're no, scared. some people are. There's, you no, know, some there's, people there's are. There's ISIS. Oh, I, I got to pick up my kid from soccer practice ISL. or... You got Al Qaeda. I know you got Dash. I know you got all these organizations. You I got get, Russia. I get that. And you know what? What if Russia's trying to hack you? Uh, Tonight, like top more. officials charged with protecting the nation's voting system say Russia remains a threat to upcoming midterm elections this November. Based on this prior demonstration of capability and intent, we are planning and preparing as if they'll try again this fall. And beyond. The Justice Department recently indicted 12 Russian intelligence officials for leading Russian efforts to interfere in the 2016 election. So you can't dial this stuff down right now. You see, you got this, you got this problems with the Russians and you got terrorism and then you got, of course, Iran. So you can't, uh, you can't be, you can't be uh, voting these people out. But, but see, that's the thing though. You can't. You, you can. And, and, you know, I'm not so sure I agree. I, I think you can. I like to believe you could. But uh, <laughs> if, if, if that was true, would we be in this mess? Well, it, it's one of those situations where if people engaged and, you know, our audience, you know, they're passionate, they're listening, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, we're going over things. It's slowly but, expanding, but, like the more and more people that care. I right. think it is. But it's I also think that's why podcasts like this are growing. Yeah, but it's also becoming a more polariz- polarization. Yeah, I agree with that too. And 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 that's where that's the danger I feel where you know, I was thinking like of an analogy. You know, you get 10 different people say different walks of life, different political affiliations and let's say for example, you just got you just saw somebody get hit by a car. Yeah. 
Everybody would spring into action, yeah. I would think, and yeah. try to help. Yeah, sure. Of course. Because it's right in front of you. You see it, you know, we're gonna add you don't ask their political affiliation. You don't add, you don't you right. don't care. You're you're gonna help out everybody. This is one of those situations where this affects everybody. This is something that's happening right in front of you, and people aren't taking uh, uh, taking action because there's so much noise. Right. No one no one no I mean, we are it's on our radar. But the common person taking their kid to soccer practice, they don't know. Well, how does it get on their radar? The well, media. Well, and then the thing is, then that's when you get, you know, politicians and other people saying fake news, don't believe it, don't believe anything you hear in the media. And then what happens is people don't want to do the research. They don't want to jump into I don't it. I, I don't know if I even, I don't even know if I go that far. I, I, I'd say if. Well, I've heard it from people. They go, well, the, yeah, you're, you work in the media. Everything you guys say is a lie. Yeah, I mean, and that's not true. I, I think. I mean, I think you're conflating the reputation of the media with something else. I, what I'm trying to get at is like, if it was a central focus of something like the media, it, then there would then it would generally raise the awareness of it, right? It's it's just it's not something they focus on. It's not something the public right now seems to be inspired to go do the research on their own, and so it's sort of left to people who listen to podcasts and things like that, right? And unfortunately, it's a very you know in the global percentage of things, it's a it's a small percentage. Where you know people will actually engage and do something. Our I know our audience would, but I mean, when you look at the overall per- you know percentage of America, you know, you look at you look at us. We have, there's 350 million people that live in the United States, and we have 600 patrons. <laughs> you know, I wow, that's pretty awesome. We got 600 patrons though. Wow. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm happy about that. But I mean, that's it's all in, it's all in perspective. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. 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 I follow what you're saying. Well, you know who is uh, sitting up and engaged. Your good buddy. My friend? One Tucker, of my friends? Tucker Tuckerson. Ah, Tucker. Yesterday Tucker. we asked the president about this along with many other issues. Tonight we're running fewer commercials and airing our extended interview with the president. What a patriot, right? Fewer commercials, Chase. Oh, uh, that's because they don't have the ads. <laughs> that's that's how you spin it. Part one of that conversation. By the way. Yeah, that would be usually the one you'd want to sell more ads in. Right. No, you you spin it. Yeah, because you you don't have the ad, you don't have the ads, you didn't sell. Although you'd think you know, exclusive interview interview with Trump probably does get decent ratings. Well, you you could probably throw a logo up there, Mr. President. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. The reaction to your press conference in Washington was swift and intense. Former CIA Director John Brennan. Dis- the press conference being the one with him and Putin described it as treasonous and a, a potentially impeachable offense. Why the push toward conflict with Russia in Washington on both sides? Well, I think Brennan's a very bad guy, and if you look at it, a lot oh. of things happened under his watch. I think he's a very bad person. Oh. Uh, I also think that when you watch Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, when you watch all of the things that have happened, and Com- happened Comey, take a look at that, and McCabe, who's got some pretty big problems, I assume. At <laughs> least this guy is uh, hes great. So, um, you know, Brennan, though, is a bad guy. Like... I mean, I know the president isn't supposed to say these things, but he's a torture. He's a he's a murderer with drones. Uh, he obviously has been involved with uh, some sort of political shenanigans around this whole Russia investigation, and now he's taken money from NBC to be a political lackey on their talking head shows. So he is a bad guy, and these guys are going out there and uh, taking a nice fat check and making millions of dollars. It's just, you know, you don't normally hear this coming out of the mouth of the president of the United States. Uh, You look at the deception, the lies, what's gone on in the last fairly long period of time, before I won. I mean, long before I won, during the campaign, I guess probably during the uh, Republican, you know, when I was fighting against uh, 17 other Republicans, 
are two different outlooks on the world. And I think I subscribe to the second outlook. And so I think the first outlook is the biggest threat facing the United States is Russia. They want to interfere, they want to interfere, interfere with our elections. They are potentially manipulating the president. They uh, have a vendetta against Hillary Clinton. They have weaponized WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. They launched a sustained campaign attack against the DNC and John Podesta. So that's one outlook. The other outlook is sort of more like looking at it from an economic standpoint and looking at Russia more as a weapons and energy dealer who has an economy that's smaller than Italy that, while obviously has a lot of reasons to want to influence the election, as does Canada, China, and Mexico, and the more likely real competitor for like, you know, the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years is China. And they have way more people than us. They are building out like crazy. They are getting more aggressive in their response to what we do with tariffs. They're getting more aggressive in the South Sea. They are establishing themselves as a real world power, and they've got us by the balls with manufacturing, so they've really got us over a barrel, not to mention they own so much of our infrastructure and are buying out more all of the time. So there are, there are two really strong philosophies developing. Well, they've been developed for a while, but they're coming out in the actions of these politicians. You have one camp who believes that big bad guy is Russia, and you have another camp who believes that yeah, Russia is a player, but China is what we should be focused on. And Cucker kind of touches on that a bit here. All right. Is forever in conflict with Russia, which is our chief global adversary, and anyone who doesn't believe that is betraying the United States. Without taking up whether that's true or not, why do you think there is this bipartisan consensus on that in Washington? Well, it's sort of incredible because if you look at World War One and World War Two, that was Germany, and in World War Two, Russia lost 50 million people and helped us win the war. And I was saying to myself the other day, I said, you know, Russia really helped us. I'm not pro-Russia, pro-anybody. I just want to have this country be safe. I don't want nuclear weapons, uh, even people thinking about it. You know, Russia and don't the United States it. control 90% of the nuclear weapons in the world. And getting along with Russia, and not only for that reason, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Are they our chief adversary, would you say? Well, they're strong military, uh, but their economy is much smaller, as you know, than China. So they're kind of dancing around the issue. Um, I can see you're dying over there, so I'll, I'll wrap no, up. No, I'm fine. No, you're I'm dying. all right. It's all right. No, I saw it. I saw no, it. No, I mean. It's all right. They're dancing around. They get yeah, to it. They I mean, I, yeah, it. it's like, come on. Bring me what. So the chief, bring me the meat and potatoes so, here. Okay, so let's keep going. We will get there. All, all right, right, we're going to get there. All right. Uh, here's a little more on Zemetaline. Comparison to that constant. This is Blumenthal. So what are you going to do about this? You brought up the translator. Do you think Republicans will actually allow a subpoena to be issued to get the translator to testify before Congress to say what went on behind closed doors? Well, that is a key question, John. And my answer is that Republicans have a historic responsibility, as do all of us, because the red light is flashing as the director of national security, Dan Coats, put it, much as it was before 9-11, we are in 
a 9-11 national emergency because our country is under attack. Literally, that attack is ongoing and pervasive, verified by objective and verifiable evidence. Those words are, again, from the director of national security. Fishing bombs, fishing bombs everywhere. So we have a we have a 9-11 style emergency here. Uh, which, of course, is never hyperbole when anybody uses that and throws that around. And it's a sustained attack. And so it's so important that we have to consider getting the translators on the record, subpoenaing them, get them down there, get them to say under oath what happened. It's very, very, very important. Well, the administration came up with a compromise, and that was they sent in Mike. Mike Pompeo used to be the director of the CIA. Now he runs the State Department, you know, the war machine. He sits down and gets, gets a little heated when he stands in to try to explain what happened at that summit. Secretary, uh, when the president meets alone uh, with President Putin, it allows the Kremlin-sponsored state media and the Russian Ministry of Defense uh, to provide more information, at least from their perspective, not only to the American people, but sometimes it seems to the members of the president's own cabinet. So I'd like to ask you some questions to get to understand what actually happened. Has the president told you what he and President Putin discussed in their two-hour closed-door meeting in Helsinki? I watched Mike Pompeo. I watched this entire thing. Um, God, it was long, dude. It was over three hours. And um, I also watched him more recently in another hearing. I'm pretty convinced Mike Pompeo runs the country. I'm pretty sure it's Mike Pompeo. He, this is the actual president of the United States. <laughs> wow. And That's a statement, man. That, That's bold. Oh, man. I've... He is the guy that is dialed in on every single military operation we're doing, on every di diplomatic operation we're doing. If you think about it, he's been the one doing the chief negotiations. So, so are you saying him. Mike Pompeo is the deep state? He is. He runs this nation, uh, and uh, he uses Donald Trump as a tool to do it, is what I'm telling you. I, and that's just, I've been watching. I, System I mean, T just took the words out of my mouth. Is this Trump's Dick Cheney right here? Is this, yeah. this is the Dick Cheney yeah. of, for Trump? Yeah. Wow. You, you can put your microphone on. Excuse me, I'm sorry. The presidents have a prerogative to choose who's in meetings or not. I'm confident you've had private one-on-one -on -one meetings in your life as well. You've chosen that setting as... The most efficient way. I just way ask to, you a simple question. Did uh, you? I, I just. I, I, you can't I'm eat up my seven minutes, Mr. Secretary. Did Did you? Did he tell you what whether or not uh, what happened in those two hours? Yeah. Now I didn't grab it uh, for this show, but I watched this live, and this get this conversation gets to a point where uh, Pompeo looks at Senator Menendez with that look like, "I'm going to kill you. You are talking to the person who runs this. You know I run this place, and I'm gonna get you." Like it was this like this look. So much so that it's at the very end of the hearing, and when Menendez stands up, the gal behind him looks up, looks at him, and makes one of those like "holy shit" faces. Like she like her <laughs> wow. eyebrows go, and she goes "wow," like she does that whole "wow" expression. Yeah, yeah. Like that guy just stared you down, um, and it's a it's, it gets to be a pretty heated back and forth between these two. Senator, the predicate of your question implied some notion that there was something improper about having a one on one meeting. I completely disagree it, with just, the premise. I, of your I, I didn't ask you a predicate. I asked you a simple question. I hope we're going to get through it. Did he tell you what transpired in the two-hour meeting? I've had a number of conversations with President Trump about what transpired in the meeting. I was also president when president when he and what did he say? I was also president. I, I'm That's sorry. What he said? Did he? You yeah 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 I could see now where you're extrapolating. <laughs> he just station with President Trump about what transpired in the meeting. I was also president when president when he and President Putin both gave us a sense of what they discussed. In the 
Okay, good. Just I was just curious if you heard the same. Thing. I, I I definitely heard the yes, meeting confirmed. that followed immediately after. Did, did you have? I also had the chance did, to speak with Sergey uh, Lavrov twice about the Russian view on what takes place. I think I have a pretty complete understanding. Good. good. Of did what you, took place did you in that speak meeting. to the translator who was at that meeting? No, I haven't. Have you seen any of her notes, Senator? I, I have never. I've been in lots of meetings. I've had lots of note takers and lots of translators. Um, I've, I've never relied on the work that they did. Did the president understand what took place in that meeting? And it does not need to be done. Did the president discuss? Did the president won't be like he's calling the shots? You know, he's calling the shots. Understand what took place in that meeting? And it does not need to be done. Did the president discuss? Did the president discuss relaxing U.S. sanctions on Russia, including Katsa sanctions? Senator, the U.S. policy with respect to sanctions remains completely unchanged. So the president did not, is what you're telling me that, I ask a very specific question. Yes, did Senator, the president tell you answer. that he discussed uh, re, uh, relaxing Russia sanctions or not? Yes or no? Pompeo looks like he is a ball of rage under the surface. No. Senator, presidents are entitled to have private meetings. I'm telling you what U.S. policy is. I came here today. No, but He's getting a little sweaty around the dome, too. You, I, you, I, you told me that yeah. he had a conversation That's with right. you in which he told you what transpired. I think the nation and so all of us who are policy makers deserve to know so that we can fashion policy accordingly. Senator, Did he Senator, tell the Putin that I'll release or ultimately Putin. relax sanctions? Senator. What you need to conduct your role, your appropriate role, I will provide you today. That is United States policy with respect to the issues you request. You asked me about U.S. policy with respect to sanctions, and I can confirm to you that no commitment has been made to change those policies in any way. Did the president at this meeting call upon President Putin to withdraw from Crimea and eastern Ukraine? Senator, I began my statement today with the United States government's policy. I understand the declaration. I welcome it. I'm glad that it seems like we had to do a lot of effort to get there. But the question... He started with the declaration that the Trump administration's position will be and will remain that we will not recognize the annexation of Crimea. Okay. Is When he had a chance, did he confront Putin and say, we don't recognize your annexation of Crimea, we don't recognize your continuing hostilities in eastern Ukraine, and there's consequences for that? Senator, the president was very clear with Vladimir Putin about U.S. positions. They're the U.S. positions that are the Trump administration's positions, and he spoke about them very firmly and clearly when he met with Vladimir Putin. And that, he told you that? Senator, I'm telling you what he had a conversation with Vladimir Putin about and I'm telling you what U.S. policy is today. I understand, <laughs> Senator, I understand the game that you're playing. No, no, it. you know, Mr. Secretary. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, with it. all due respect, yeah, I don't I appreciate it. you characterizing my questions. My questions is to get to the truth. Now he's pointing at Pompeo with his pencil. I don't think Pompeo's going to like that much. We That's don't right. know what the truth is. And the only way that we will know what the truth is, what transpired in those two hours, and in highly... Uh, a amazing a period of time to you just it's great watching and Pompeo takes a deep breath and I was watching the Time magazine feed uh, and the beautiful thing about the Time magazine feed is that it was close in on Pompeo the entire time they never showed the other guy so you could just watch his face the entire time spend alone one-on-one -on -one is by understanding at least that if you were briefed by the president what he told you. I don't think that's unfair to know, to understand what policy is. Let me ask you this. Were, uh, did the president say they were going to change our force structure in Syria? Senator, presidents are permitted to have conversations with their cabinet members that aren't repeated in public. Um, I, owe, I owe the president the capacity for him to have conversations with him 
provide him the best foreign policy advice that I can. It's what I was. Let, uh, let me ask on you this, uh, Mr. And, Secretary. And so here's something. Here's something you can answer for me. Great. Because you're not going to answer any of the questions that would get us to the truth. As CIA director, <laughs> you stated in an interview with the BBC that you fully expect Russia to continue its attacks on our democracy by attempting to interfere in our midterm elections as we speak. In his conversation with Putin, uh, I hope the president laid out the consequences of interference in the 2018 election, but I know you can't tell me that, so you're not Actually, going, I can't oh, tell you Oh, do you that, want to Senator. share that one with me? I can't, no, I can't. That because, one you want to share with me? No, Senator, I can tell you that because the president has disclosed that. Okay. The, the, the president disclosed what, what he said to Vladimir Putin about Russian interference in our elections, and he said that he is confident that as a result of that conversation, Vladimir understands that it won't be tolerated. I wish he had said that in public in Helsinki. Let me ask you this. Senator Graham and I and others are working on a new bill to hold Russia accountable. Given that you assert the administration is tough on Russia, will you commit to working with us on a new Russia sanctions bill? Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, North Korea. I do uh, mind because I want to win. It's a little contentious. It's a little contentious. And uh, just about the last hour of that summit... The White House made an announcement. The White House just announced it will postpone uh, that second meeting with Putin, uh, where the president over Twitter had offered this invitation uh, to come to the White House in the fall. We'll postpone that until the uh, Mueller probe is complete. Uh, let's remember, we still know nada. What's interesting is in the statement, they don't just say once the Mueller probe no, is complete, they, they say in the new year. Well, and they also said when this witch hunt is yeah, complete. Yeah, they do call it a witch hunt too, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, classic! It's classic. <laughs> they call a witch out of the thing, and then they say it was it was your it was, it was Mr. Mustache. They're making a red book prediction too. Yeah, it was Bolton. They're making a red book prediction that the Mueller probe will be wrapped up in the new year. That would be a new year present, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that? Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine? No more talking about the Russia probe. You mean it would be all over? Woo. You mean we wouldn't hear about it at all? Yeah. Either way, no, I don't think so. No. No, of course not. So uh, I have to uh, I have to warn you. I'm sorry. I just can't. At the risk of going double cucker, which is... Dude, you once you go double, you can't go back. I'm not sure. Once you go double, isn't that just not cucker? I'm not sure. Watch this. There was a very clear belief that Carter Page was conspir- conspiring um, with Russia to in ways that, that were nefarious. There was overwhelming evidence to have probable cause to do surveillance on Carter Page. It would have been a dereliction of duty for our FBI not to have sought a surveillance warrant. As you say, it makes a compelling case that there is probable cause to believe that Carter Page was acting as an agent of a foreign power. Woo! All right, so Carter Page is uh, one of the Trump uh, campaign buffoons who is clearly a Russian spy because he spent some time in Moscow. And uh, that's all it takes. Actually, the reason why we're talking about Carter Page here is because that was sort of the one of the key reasons for the FISA authorization to monitor members of the Trump campaign. And it was sort of positioned as a way to take a little bit of of the stink off of the dossier, the piss dossier, as the actual mechanism that authorized the FISA warrant. A compelling case, really? Well, if it's so compelling, why aren't we hearing that case in court at Carter Page's treason trial? Well, because it's total nonsense. It's a bad joke. The FISA application doesn't even begin to prove that Carter Page betrayed his country in any way. But the application does prove other things. We now know, for example, conclusively, that the discredited Steele dossier was central to the Obama administration's request to spy on the Trump campaign. 
Former FBI Director Jim Comey has publicly denied that, perhaps assuming the actual request would never be released. Comey claimed that the dossier was not a significant part of the government's request, and that turns out to be a lie. Not only did the Obama administration use the Steele dossier as the basis of its spying request, it appears the FBI did essentially nothing to verify the claims of the dossier, despite the fact they knew it was a partisan document paid for by political operatives, the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. It was too good to check, apparently. Instead of sending its own agents to run down the facts, which of course it could have done, in fact it exists to do, the FBI instead cited a Yahoo News article to prove that the dossier was reliable. The only problem with that, the Yahoo piece was itself based on leaked information from Steele. You'd have to be utterly incompetent to do something like that or totally dishonest. It took him a bit to get there, unfortunately, but that was the last part there. Is, uh, so the dossier, instead of being verified by them going out and verifying the facts in the dossier, they verified its legitimacy by citing a Yahoo News article which the details in the Yahoo News article were leaked by the guy who authored the dossier. So that was the cyclical cycle they used to sort of give the dossier credibility. Now, my Red Book prediction is the FBI is going to release documents that show they did indeed try to verify aspects of the dossier. Uh, I don't know what the timing of it will be, but my Red Book prediction is there will be releases from the FBI that says either through like a like a some sort of some sort of document release or through a statement that they did try to verify the components of the dossier but as of right now when you look at what has been released of the FISA warrant it looks like they just sort of used that Yahoo News article as the most underpinning piece of legitimacy Yahoo News and it goes back to something we've talked about a couple of times <clears throat> where the uh quote-unquote intelligence agencies or leakers will leak information to the media that may or may not be accurate. Uh, let's just say for the sake of argument it is accurate, right? So they'll leak information to the media, uh, then they'll run a story about it, and then six months later there's hearings and they're talking about if something's really a threat, say like cyber threats, then they'll just, as a piece of legitimacy, they'll cite the news article. And I see this happen all the time in these hearings where you'll see a news article that they'll cite from the New York Times or they'll cite from the Washington, Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal or CNN. And it's, it's a story that was sourced by an anonymous government official. So like an, they plant the story in a way. And then later on, because it's a quote-unquote legitimate news agency, it's considered fact and, col and collaborate. How do you say Collaborated. It? Thank you. Yeah. Um, or collaborated. I'm, I don't know why my mouth can't work. I'm back in Washington time now, and I think my tongue doesn't work. It's still in <laughs> Texas time. Uh, so, which would be like bedtime for it. <clears throat> so, anyways, it's so the FISA warrant. Uh, I think we'll get more information from the FBI that'll sort of be. I think because they're in damage control mode with uh, Peter and uh, what's her face, Lisa. Peter and Lisa, the lovers, quote unquote, uh, and also Comey. I think they're in such damage control mode that they'll probably try to release information about this that shows that they did try to verify the dossier. But because of the way the cycle works and they have to get it cleared and they have to get it redacted, areas redacted, the news cycle's gotten ahead of this whole thing and shows that the FISA warrant right now is pretty much based on this dossier and then verifying it through Yahoo News, which looks really weak, right? So we'll see. Yeah, it doesn't look clean right now. 
Now, there is also another big hoopla with all of these intelligence assets, these quote-unquote officials. And the, How many times have we heard a, quote, former government official, or someone familiar with the matter? These are always these old guys. The that code words, the phases, yeah, yeah. You got your shifts, you yeah. got your Brennans, of course, your, your good buddy. Friends. Michael Hayden, who's go, who goes on all the time. Uh, is on the payroll. Uh, they really are. They're on the yeah. payroll of the media. Uh, and it's always been like this super um, strange experience. And I remember when it first started happening because we started talking about it on the show when all of a sudden these these intelligence agency guys started going public. And it kind of started happening really after the Snowden leaks. Before then, like you wouldn't really ever see the NSA director on TV. And you wouldn't see the CIA director being a commentator or a former CIA director being a commentator. But now it's totally common to see Leon Panetta coming on MSNBC or to see John Brennan on CNN or Michael Hayden on CNN. That's super common for him to go on all of the networks. He goes on all of them. And I, I play clips from them all the time. And it, this has just sort of turned into a very common occurrence where they're on the payroll, perhaps even earning millions of dollars a year. And it's been a fascinating occurrence to watch. And I think it is kind of worth going, like, why do they still have clearance? It's an unprecedented threat aimed at some critics of the commander in chiefs. The White House now considering stripping the security clearances of six former intelligence officials. Now, look at this. Look at this lineup. Brennan, Comey, Clapper, Hayden, Susan Rice and Andrew McCabe. We don't talk about McCabe much or Susan Rice, but Susan Rice is to believe to be believed to be one of the early internal leakers of the dossier and spreading it through around the government. Uh, and you got to wonder why does Susan Rice still need top secret clearance? Michael Hayden is a frequent TV commentator, as is now James Clapper and John Brennan, who are actually on the payroll of NBC as political and security analysts. Now, why do they need top but, secret clearance? But here's the thing, though, man. Just because they have clearance doesn't mean that they can just go to a website and download whatever they want. There's still a process no, for them that get information. But it seems like they're profiting from what should be an extremely privileged position. Like It seems like that position also comes with it Right, kind but, of a life but just of having clearance, though, just having clearance doesn't get you automatic access. Clearance does not equal access. No, but it, it brings with it a level of legitimacy. So say if John Brennan makes up some bullshit about something and then leaks it, he is, it sort of brings this, this air of credibility around it. Where if he was just some former retiree, a government official who's no longer connected and briefed in, like it's, it has a lot less weight to it. I yeah, think. but I mean, I, I know people that have this, have levels of, of security, high security. And just because, like I said, just because like you have the key card to get you in the building doesn't mean you're going to get to see what's in, on the screen or yep. you're going to get a printout. Or, I mean, you, there, there are legitimate layers of access. And when, when they say... I, when, to when, me, though, I, it, I, it seems like the trade-off, okay, you want to become a TV personality, then, you know, that disqualifies you from being cleared as top secret because you are in a inherently public medium. You could accidentally leak something. In fact, there is an example of John Brennan who did accidentally leak something about an asset that was still in the field a few years ago. Uh, that did actually happen like four years ago. Um, so it's not completely I mean, if, unprecedented. But if, but if they're not allowed to leak the information and it's been proven that they, they are... I think they do leak. Well... I think, I think all of those have been But leakers. if it's been proven and it's against the law, then where are the charges? 
Otherwise, I think they're too busy investigating email but, and Russians. But, but see, but see, that's the thing that that bugs the hell out of me about this. If if think about all the leaks we've seen coming out of the Trump again, White House. Some again, of that stuff has been conversations. I know, of again, world leaders. again, if these six, and I'm I'm just taking a position here that I mean, we know Comey leaked. We actually know that. All right, so where are the charges? I don't think it's a matter of what he leaked. All right. So he didn't necessarily leak anything that was classified. He leaked memos of his conversation with Donald Trump through a friend. I mean, if 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 any of these guys did something wrong, then they should be charged for it. That- I think it's a matter of so you have a couple of things. So like if you're going to give if you're going to criticize Trump for doing things that are outside the norm or doing things on Twitter the president shouldn't do, then when the FBI director leaks I mean that's unprecedented. An FBI director leaking the memos of his personal interactions with the current sitting president. I mean, maybe 30 years down the road when a memoir is being written about the president, the FBI director hands over his memos and then it finally goes in a book. That's that's what was like. That was life before Trump. And now the memos get released while the dude's in his first year of office. But that's that's not something an FBI director does or really any of these guys going on TV. I mean, what's happening is completely unnorm- unusual. It's not normal. Well, all of it's unusual and not normal. To, I mean, to, to, to paint a broader stroke on it. It would just seem to me, by default, if you're going to be on TV and you're going to be on the payroll of a news organization, you're I disqualified just, I, 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 to be I, I, class- declassified. I just think, to get declass- to get I de- just think it's one of those things where crazy if, if you're going to set this precedent now, <clears throat> yeah. And if you're going to legitimately do this, yeah, it's got to be universe. It's got to be because right now this this honestly it, it feels a very focused partisan or like I don't like what you're doing or whatever the case may be, whatever the reasons are. Yeah, this feels more political than security. Yeah, because sure. because if, if 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 it's truly a security risk and a security problem, then anybody that has even had a whiff. Of leaking well, should would, have should have had it removed. I would argue a few of the things <clears throat> that have been leaked have probably weakened our security state. I mean, some of the conversations that have been leaked, some of the some of the details out of the White House probably diminished the president's ability to negotiate with world leaders and guarantee like private conversations and whatnot. So I would say some of it <clears throat> probably has been damaging. I, I just want to be abundantly clear. I'm not trying to give these guys a pass here. It's one of those situations where, you know, if I did something wrong. <laughs> You know, I would expect to be punished. Nobody in these higher governmental positions or former governmental positions have that fear. They don't give a crap. They uh, seem untouchable. They exactly. And so, it's, and, and so if you're going to do this here, that should be the precedent going forward. What does it say? Otherwise, to, then then don't do it at all. Doesn't, I mean, what's doesn't the it point? just doesn't it just send the wrong message to have James Clapper, the former director of national intelligence, to now be on a partisan network like MSNBC? Doesn't that also send the wrong message about those types of positions? Doesn't that inherently politicize now the director of national intelligence's office? Well, and doesn't that open the door for future directors to also go into the TV medium, which just is going to make that that means that's going to be that's always going to be on their list when they're in new, office. Newsflash, man! I mean, it's not just been happening for TV; it's been happening for private industry. Yeah, that's you one know, thing. I mean, yeah, that's know, one thing. That is it, one. It's thing, not but. just the the media that's guilty on this. Here's I the mean, other problem, though: you've got to make it. Uh, you have to you have to strip it away across the board and not just uh, fire in but on one segment. Here's here's the problem with these bastards is they all have this they have this great great get out of jail trump card that they can drop down in the middle of any conversation and that is they can say well let's just say I can't tell you why I know that. 
and smile into the camera and just be like, so they could say, yeah, turns out that Donald Trump really likes to pee on the golf course when he's playing golf, but I can't tell you how I know that. Well, how do they know that? Or they could be lying. Exactly. Yeah. And they and because they have They this, could have no security clearance and still say that. I can't tell you for national security. Because reasons. someone could someone could tell them the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that it, it, it bugs because it's like this does feel political instead of there's a security risk. I think but it's also kind of exposing like um uh, kind of a uh, like this this widening problem that we have, where all of these people who are political hacks have access to secret information even after they're out of office. And there is got to be. I mean, I it's not lost on me why this would be in place. So you would want to have like the current CIA director to be able to consult the former CIA director, and 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 especially in that kind of role, there's probably very few people that would be a peer. So it's clearly advantageous for 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 standing people in government positions to be able to consult with people that served in those roles in the past, and to be able to do that, they have to have clearance. That's not lost on me. I'm not I'm not I'm not dumb, but it seems like we could cast a bit narrower of a net here. We have we have a lot of people in the system right now that have access, that are retired, that are working in media. That are probably not getting actively consulted. For example, Michael Hayden's already said, "Yeah, I no, I don't go in and do classified consultations anymore. Pull it for all I care." So I just, you know, that's the other thing to consider here is there is some legitimacy to it, but I think it's a system that's getting abused, and people are leveraging that yeah. to make a buck. I, I, I think you would have to to make money. I mean, first off, uh, our our politicians would have to inflict a self inflicted wound, you know, creating a law saying that. If you've worked in a top secret situation, you are not allowed to do X or Y or whatever. And part of me is like, and I don't care, Democrat, Republican, Independent, I don't care. It's one of those things where are what they leaking is true or not? And if if what I mean, and, and there's a whole separate argument about that, right? Because you know, first off, the the damage of leaks, you know, causes problems. But then again, hey, that's Putin's talking point. But then, hold on. But then again. Don't we all deserve to know what the hell's going on, right? Carrying, Without spin, that's what Putin says about uh, the DNC leaks. That's you're carrying water for Putin, now. <laughs> dude. You're carrying. Water I think for, everybody would just want to know what the hell's going carrying on. Carrying water from Mother Russia. Yeah. I want to read something to you, producer Matt uh, linked this to me, and uh, this is from the desk of uh, Paul Ryan. And uh, okay, all right, I don't have a visual of it. It reads like this. <clears throat> Dear Director Clapper, today I am writing to formally request that you you refrain from providing any classified information to former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton for the duration of her candidacy for president. This request is based on findings announced by FBI Director James Comey at a press conference on Tuesday, July 5th. It goes on to talk about how she's under investigation and how she has official briefings that she's already getting from the FBI and the CIA and will be getting after, after the convention. Um, she, he also writes as a former vice presidential nominee, I'm keenly aware of when Clinton beginning a briefing goes into all of that. Uh, he then also says there's no legal requirement for you to provide secretary Clinton with any classified information. And it would send the wrong signal to all those charged with safeguarding our nation's secrets. If you chose to provide her access to this information, despite the FBI's findings, I firmly believe it is necessary to reassure the public and our nation's secrets that are secure. Should you choose to reject this request? I ask that you provide a rationale for granting Secretary Clinton access to classified information despite the FBI's findings. Now, 
Uh, it goes on to talk about thank you for your prompt attention uh, and uh, your professionalism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you for keeping America safe. But what I find to be really interesting about this entire letter here is it's it's asking him politely. He says, I'm formally requesting. And he also later on talks about how I ask you to stop. He's not He's not ordering Clapper. He can't tell Clapper what to do. He can just ask him to stop because Clapper and the intelligence community are running the show. And even when Paul Ryan is writing an official letter signed by Speaker Ryan to Clapper, he's saying, can you just please stop leaking information to somebody who's already in, has official intelligence channels that are coming to her or is and this is currently under investigation? Not a possible political bullet point that he can say in public. Hey, I have written to yeah. Mr. Clapper and blah 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 blah. But my point, my point remains: there's obviously a problem here with these people using their access. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I agree with that 110. percent I mean, you can't agree any more than 100. I know that. All right, but, continuing. But on. yes, continuing. On. Former intelligence officials they've politicized and in some cases monetized their public service and security clearances. Most of the officials have worked for both Democrats and Republicans and have been tough on President Trump publicly. Isn't the president doing exactly? what you just said the president doesn't want all these people doing no the president's not making baseless accusations of improper contact with a foreign government uh, and accusing the president of the united states of treasonous act activity that may be a reference to john brennan former cia director and nbc news senior national security and intelligence analyst who called last week's meeting with vladimir putin nothing short of treasonous i equate it to the betrayal of one's nation basically aiding and abetting giving comfort to an enemy now he's on a list that includes former FBI officials James Comey and Andrew McCabe. That can, is, I say, can I say one thing? Yeah, I just want to. Yeah, we both. We should, let's back it up. So, yeah, so, the you know, so, so of first nation, off, basically aiding and abetting, giving comfort to an enemy. So, so first off, security clearance has nothing to do with his statement right there. Right. It's his opinion. He's an American citizen. Uh, NBC put him on the air. He gave. He gave his opinion. Sure. Okay. Security clearance or not, it doesn't matter. And after that speech happened, Trump got mad, made this announcement. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I mean, I'm not I don't think I'm disagreeing that it's it's for it's a political vendetta. No, I just I think I agree that maybe they should have their clearance pulled. And I agree. As long as you're consistent, all going forward. Yeah, right. I Yeah, I'm 100 percent on board with that. I think that statement that Brennan made there is ridiculous. I mean, I know who am I to say, but uh I just can't I can't imagine ever even just slowing down a building hostility with Russia is a bad thing. Like even if it's temporary, even if it only lasts for a couple of years, it is a good thing. So uh, I just find that to be I find that to be so intensely um, wrong. And I wonder if it isn't this worldview where Russia is the number one bad guy and anything that you do to support them is treason because Russia is the ultimate bad guy. They have the ultimate spy. They have the ultimate Putin. They have the ultimate 40 chessboard. And in their world, anything that is viewed otherwise is lunacy because there's so little time left to respond to the Russia threat. Now, he's on a list that includes former FBI officials James Comey and Andrew McCabe, neither of whom currently have security clearances because they were fired. Michael Hayden, former CIA director, says the new threat won't have any effect on what I say or write. Former Obama National Security Advisor Susan Rice, silent for now. I think this is uh, uh, just a very, very petty 
uh, a petty thing to do. It's clapper right there. Former intelligence leaders typically keep their clearances so they can talk about sensitive matters with their successors. A security clearance is also very valuable for former officials in the private sector. And so to lose one could amount to a financial penalty. Oh, that would be a shame. Wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> uh, so the the... The phone call there from Clapper is really kind of the tip of the iceberg. He is very upset. Director Clapper, thank you so much for joining me. First, so, of course, he's going to run to Sarah CNN. Sanders specifically <laughs> said yesterday. She said they, meaning you and others, have politicized and in some cases monetized their public service. I want to ask you point blank, sir. Have you made any money since leaving office using your security clearance? Okay, that should be a pretty just a no. Uh, it's always been my personal opinion and my analysis, you know. I mean, yeah. You're going to get a political answer, right? Well, not directly the security clearance, but I guess, uh, you know, I have, I have benefited from the 50 years of uh, service, both in the military and in civilian capacities, uh, in the intelligence community. I, I wrote a book about it. I think that's exactly it. And so if that's still a valuable asset. Like, you could still say that's a legitimate analysis to have somebody making an analysis on CNN. That is James Clapper. Like, there's still a perfectly legitimate analysis. They don't have to have the classified clearance to do that. Right. Yeah. And uh, I appear on uh, this network. Uh, and it's, you know, by virtue of that experience. Well, a part of that, uh, of course, is uh, the eligibility for access to classified information. And so, uh, in a sense, yes, I've benefited from uh, from that experience. And the uh, he goes in there to say that what Trump is trying to do is sort of impress those certain people. It's a political thing, like you've been talking about. Uh, and I think it probably is. And I think it's probably not too, too far off. And the way uh, Rand Paul and I'll I'll cover this in the overtime so we can keep moving. But the way Rand Paul wants to do it is uh, he wants to just set it like as a cutoff time. For any, like, former CIA officials and certain government officials after just a certain amount of time, like, you have to have an authorized reason to retain a clearance and just apply it universally. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I, I, yeah, I mean, why not? Why I not? mean, but th- then again, you know, like, going back to what I said earlier, that would be a self-inflicted thing. And how often does the government do self-inflicted things that hurt themselves? Slow things down, limit access to their yeah. own. Yeah, when does that happen? Never, yeah. never do. Yeah, I'm just... So Harry Reid sort of was the spark that started the forest fire of Russia meddling. And it's it's so long ago, you probably don't even remember, but he had a really banged up face. uh, And he claimed that he uh, had an exercise accident. But then it was like some people rumored that it was a fight and all these. It was this is this is ancient, ancient history now. Harry Reid, we don't even talk about anymore. But if you if you go way, way back, way, way back into the time machine, you will discover that he played a rather pivotal role in this whole thing. So I want to uh, play a bit here about getting access to information that uh, Harry Reid may have gotten very, very early on. Saw group Judicial Watch tonight suing the CIA for communications between former CIA director John Brennan and former top Senate Democrat Harry Reid. Did Brennan feed Reid information about alleged Russian collusion with the Trump campaign so Reid would then publicly push that narrative during the 2016 campaign? That's what they're trying to find out. Chris Farrell is director of investigations and research at Judicial Watch and joins us live. Chris, 
great to have you with us. Okay, so you've officially filed this lawsuit. Let's walk people through a little bit of what happened. In August, uh, Brennan uh, briefed a lot of folks, including then the top Democrat in the Senate, Harry Reid. Two days later, Reid writes a letter. It includes this uh, to Comey, then FBI director. The evidence of a direct connection between the Russian government and Donald Trump's presidential campaign continues to mount. The American people deserve to have a full understanding of the facts from a completed investigation before they vote this November. He had to know the letter would go public. So now that that narrative about collusion is now within the election conversation. Sure. This is just one of the channels by which the uh, Stop Trump gang, and there was obviously a, a handful of operators here, used various systems, whether it was the executive branch agencies, the, the Congress, um, to feed this narrative in and just have it create the perception that, well, everyone says, and well, everyone knows, mm-hmm. and there's an echo chamber effect. And once everyone, everyone starts saying the same thing, it takes on a life of its own. And it's, it's an information operation. It's how, it's how the public is manipulated. It's how the media is manipulated. And all you need is, you know, the tiniest little kernel of half-truth, and they embroider and embroider and embroider, and they start repeating one another, and this echo chamber has a very neg- negative effect. Well, we all remember four years prior to that, Harry Reid took to the Senate floor and said the word on the street, quote, is that Romney right. didn't pay taxes or something to that Correct. effect this that people all, are saying. It's rumor and innuendo. Uh, you know, it's slanderous in many cases. That's what it really bothers me uh, about these intelligence uh, officials. Like these guys high up are just a bunch of political actors. And that's so gross because they, they are the top of this massive, powerful spy machine. And then they use it to manipulate politics. This is and why I think we're doomed, man. I mean, this is how I get real pessimistic, you yeah. know, and I fall down that rabbit hole. Because it, it, gets, it honestly gets depressing because it's like... At the end of the day, it feels like nothing matters in in that regard. Like, you know, they're going to try to, you know, line their own pockets. They're going to, you know, try to keep themselves going, try to be political because their 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 team is beating the other team, whether it's the blue or the red. It doesn't matter. It's just get the other guy, get your stuff passed, whatever. My millennials, stay woke. <laughs> so, there's one more thing that broke today just before the show started kind of in the same category. <laughs> Back with this Fox News alert. Just uh, a few moments ago, Republican lawmakers announced that they will file articles of impeachment against Deputy AG Rod Rosenstein. Joining me now with what this means, how all of this is going to play out, former Congressman Jason Chaffetz, author of the new book, The Deep State. Good oh, to see yeah, you tonight, look, Congressman. Yep, Good to have you that with money. us. Yep, same thing. Yep, same thing. Um, what does it mean? Uh, I'm glad Congress is finally standing up for itself, because how many times do you have to have duly issued subpoenas that are just totally ignored by the Department of Justice? If you had done this, you'd be in jail. But the only way to enforce a subpoena is to get the Department of Justice to do it. And Rod Rosenstein has been more than cavalier in saying, no, I'm not going to comply with that. I don't know where this is going to go, but what they're attempting to do is get more information about the FISA. It's political. Yeah. You know why? Because they don't have the votes in the Senate to do it. They they want to yeah, and and on top of that, they want to they want to flaunt something that they know is in that thing. I mean, you you want to hear the the bacon theory? Oh yeah, dude, you know I love me some bacon. I know you do. Wait, I got also I like money too, but I know. Well, I like money. We should totally we hang all out. Like money. Yeah, <laughs> I got bills to pay. Can you do a Clinton? I got bills to pay. I got bills to pay. That's pretty good. That all was. Right, right. Do you remember that clip? Oh, yeah. It was good. All right, what's your bacon? It's real simple bacon. It's a simple bacon from Savannah, lightly peppered, of course. Um, get Rod Roded scene out of there. Get somebody new in there to fire Mueller. The end. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's that is some basic bacon, though. I, I mean, know. I told you it was basic. It, yeah, I told you. But you, and these guys are doing it on behalf of Trump. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, otherwise, I don't think it's other, lead otherwise, to that. otherwise, it's not. I mean, first off, this is not going to go anywhere. This is totally yeah, political. That's exactly it. Um, because yeah, you need the votes in the Senate to do the impeachment. Yeah, the House is going to draw up articles. However, this does set a bad precedent. This is now we're off bacon. It does set a bad precedent. If you're going to start lowering the standard, in my opinion, on articles of impeachment to get uh, this guy out of there, what's to stop this from going forward to other positions? Remember, they kind of did this. Uh, they did this. Uh, what was um, what was Obama's uh, uh, attorney general? They did this to Eric. Uh, what his face is? Uh, oh, Eric Holt. Yeah, they did. They did the same thing to him, and it didn't really go anywhere. So it, it's not totally new, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, you're right. It is political, and you know what? You're, and, and even though Rosenstein is a registered I, Republican, right? Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, hey. So she's now running for president. Will you continue to give speeches? Oh yeah, I, I got to pay our bills. <laughs> I got. I got. Hey, yeah, man. I I got to pay our bills. <laughs> I, mean, I can get it down. That's one of my favorites, dude. I, I got to pay our bills. So speaking of hot mics, yeah. um, CNN is quite proud of themselves right now. It is a big night here. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to primetime. We have Prime one of the Michael Cohen tapes, the secret recording of President Trump back in 2016. This has been building for three weeks. We've been talking about Cohen Lordy, signaling. let there be tapes. We've been, we've been talking about Cohen messaging that he was going to flip. First, he had that off-camera interview with George Stephanopoulos, and then it was like more and more stuff. And now, now we have a tape. And uh, I'm not going to play this whole clip, but... I, I promise you that they play this thing a dozen times. It's so funny. They're so proud of themselves. By Cohen, in which he and then-candidate Trump discuss arrangements surrounding a payment to former Playboy playmate Karen McDougal that was made by a third party, David Pecker, as head of the National Enquirer. This all happened in the months before the election. Now, this is not a great quality recording, and that will be relevant to its analysis. So first, I want to play you the entire recording, not all of which is relevant to the payment. So listen for yourself. Let me know what's happening, okay? Oh. Oh. Maybe because of this, it would be better if you didn't go, you know? Maybe because of this, for that one, you know, I think what you should do is get rid of this because it's so false what they're saying. It's such bullshit. Um, I think, I think this goes away quickly. I think what, I think it's probably better. Do the Charleston thing. Just this time. Uh, yeah. In two weeks, it's fine. I think right now, it's it's better. Cohen yeah? hasn't spoken yet. Okay, honey. You take way. care of yourself. Thanks, man. Yeah, it looks, uh, sounds like Trump yeah, was on I'm the phone. I'm proud of you. So long. Bye. Yeah. What's up, Mike? Great poll, by the way. Yeah. Seen it. Great poll. Making progress. Big time. And you guys are good guys. Oh, Pastor Scott? I can't believe it. No. Pastor Scott. What's, what's happening? Oh, no. He's, Can we use him anymore? Oh, yeah. hundred. No, you're talking about Mark Burns. He, we told him well, to... I, I don't mean that. Uh, Mark Burns. Can we use him no. anymore? No. 
Richard um, Lefra, I'm sorry, Richard yeah. Lefra just called. He just had, we have a chance, he had an idea for you. Okay, okay. Um, so we got served from the New York Times, I told you this, regarding oh, wow. to unseal the divorce papers with Ivana. Um, you can see right from even this example right here, this is the kind of business that Cohen takes care of for Trump. We're fighting it. Cassowitz uh, is going to... never be able to get that done. Never. Never. Cassowitz doesn't they'll ever be able They don't have a... Give me a Coke, please. They don't have a legitimate purpose. <laughs> Give me a Coke, please. Give me a Coke, please. Is becoming a meme on the internet. Coke is it. I can't believe he said please, everybody. And, I, and I, want the, I want the new Coke, not the classic. Never. Cassowitz doesn't they'll ever be able They don't have a... Give me a Coke, please. They don't have a legitimate purpose. And so, you have a, a woman that doesn't want to see Correct. So, been yes, and it's all been going for, a while. for about two, three weeks now. All you have to do is delay it for even after that. It's not going to ever be opened. There's no, there's no purpose for it. Um, told you about Charleston. Um, I need to open up a company. Now we're getting to the Stormy Daniels and um, not Stormy Daniels. What was the other gal? Um, oh, uh, the Playboy model. Yeah, uh, McDougal. Karen McDougal, McDougal. Right. Now we're getting to the details on how to pay them off. He talks about getting tips on building a company. They talk about the type of payment. This is the interesting bit right here. Uh, Charleston, um, I need to open up a company for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David. You know, so yeah. that. I'm going to do that right away. I've actually come up and, I've spoken, me, and I've spoken to Alan Weisselberg about how to set the whole thing up uh, with so what are we funding. That, uh, yes. Um, and it's all the yeah, stuff. All the stuff. Because, you know, you never know where that company, no, you never know where he's going to be. Correct. So I'm, I'm all over that. And I spoke to Alan about it when it comes time for the financing, which will be... Listen, what financing? We'll have to... Pay you, so pay no, 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 no. I got no, no, no. Hey, no, how are you? So, what does he say there to you? No, no. I'll, oh, uh, if you re if you rebind it back, I, it sounded like no, no. I'll pay with cash. Financing, which will be listen. What financing? Well, what financing? Pay you, so I'll pay with cash. No, no, no. I'll pay with cash. I got no, no, no. Check. It almost sounds like he says check. Pay you, so I'll pay with cash. No, 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 no. I got no, no, no. Hey, no, how are you? And then he said check. All right, now couple of things. There are side conversations. I wanted you to hear everything that was on the recorded. Uh, that can, was we, can we put Mr. Como, whatever. Uh, I'm glad, actually, that he played the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we like to you get shit, to, you, we like you to get shit to on one, CNN. All in the room. Right. You know? Well, we like to shit on CNN, creative editing. We make fun of all the media companies that do the creative editing. You know, there was a lot of dead space. And when you're, yeah. when you're listening to dead space on the air, on TV... People get nervous because it's like, oh my god, this is boring. Don't give them too much credit. They probably paid five million dollars for them. Like, if we no, paid five million dollars, we're playing the whole thing. No, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, we're gonna play the whole damn thing. But you know what? All right, good. Thank you for playing the whole thing. It lets us all hear yeah. and 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 know what's going on. All right. I just wanted to point that out okay. because we we shit on them so much. Provided to us those side conversations aren't relevant in my estimation. And I'm not including a translation of the tape because there is clearly a dispute about what is being said. So you have to listen. And I want to now play for you the portion that seems to matter the most. So they played a lot. They played over and over again. They played a lot. I mean, Probably the, what, the cash part, right? 
Uh, so then, but uh, Giuliani says, "Yeah, no, it's good. It's it's good. It's all good. It's really good. Actually, this is <laughs> this is great for Team Trump," is what Giuliani says. Uh, because in there, you hear that Trump's learning about it, and uh, he wants to do it in a way that can be trackable. The president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, told the New York Times that there is a tape. It's less than two minutes long, but he believes it contains a conversation that proves that the president didn't do anything wrong because Giuliani says the president tells Michael Cohen in this recording that if Cohen did make a payment to somebody to write a check instead of sending cash, so there would be some sort of a record of the transaction. The woman that Cohen and Trump were talking about on this call that was uh, apparently scooped up by Michael Cohen's lawyers as they were going through all of his correspondences trying to figure out uh, what was privileged and what was not is named Karen McDougal. You see her on the screen right there. She claims that 12 years ago she had a one year long affair with then businessman Donald Trump. Uh, she later came out in April and said that she regretted it. She started apologizing to Melania Trump. Uh, and the reason that she came out in April is because that is when she was released from a deal that she had made with the company that owns the National Enquirer, which she says paid her $150,000 for her story, but then never ran it. She so they buy the rights to her story and then never run it, and they now that they own the rights to her story, they can hold but on I, to but it. But I thought the president didn't do anything with, with Karen McDougal. Why, why would he Why would he have to pay a No, that was Stormy Daniels. Oh, so, so he admitted the, the McDougal thing. Well, I mean, you know... What's the truth here again? <laughs> I mean, I guess they kind of are if they're acknowledging that Trump's, Trump said write a check. Right. This see this that, is that to me seems like to, acknowledgement. To me, yeah. Like, why to, are you writing a check? I mean, to to me, I mean, yeah. I know there's probably finance campaign finance things and money that needs to be reviewed. I get that, but. You know, every no one goes back to the basics. The basics is the tre the president told the American people. He told all of us, all of us, in front of a national stage. Yep, uh, maybe in 140 characters or less, that he didn't do anything. Nothing happened. He, you know, nothing. With so the the question is, is he lying, and is it a fraudulent? Transaction. Let's right. analyze what we think we know right now. The judge, <laughs> Anna Napolitano, Fox News senior judicial analyst, with me in studio. And judge, nice to see you. Morning, Bill. Uh, Giuliani's case, no payments ever made. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Giuliani's case, no indication of any crime. Is there? There doesn't appear to be the indication of any crime, but I think that's the wrong analysis. There is an indication of a fraud, and the significance of that is. If the client and the lawyer discuss the commission of a crime or discuss the commission of a fraud, there is no attorney-client privilege in that conversation, uh -oh. meaning the tape can be used by anybody who can get their hands on it for any purposes. Which it's would include? Which would include Bob uh, Mueller? McDougal if she's suing the president, which would include Bob Mueller if he's investigating the president. Now, what's the fraud? The conversation is about paying uh, national is about paying National Enquirer to pay McDougal $150,000 to buy her story and to lead her to believe that the National Enquirer is going to publish her story. But the real uh, aim here is to bury the story by duping her into selling it to them and then not publishing it. That failure to be truthful to her and the involvement of Donald Trump and Michael Cohen in that decision is the fraud. You say that's not a criminal fraud. It's a civil fraud. That's a fraud. civil fraud. But and it, what is the difference? 
Criminal fraud is where you dupe somebody out of cash to enrich yourself. Civil fraud is when you dupe somebody out of cash for some other purpose. The other purpose here was to keep the story from being put in the press by lying to her and telling her, we'll pay $150,000, you don't talk to anybody else, and we'll publish your story when they never intended to Based publish it. Based on that analysis, criminal is more severe than civil. Absolutely. Is it not? Yes, of course it is. But both civil fraud, criminal fraud, are enough to burst the attorney-client privilege. That's where the Giuliani argument fails and the Lanny Davis argument prevails. So that's why it matters, is it, it shows that there was some collusion, but not the kind that we've been talking about. And so it, it, it like the judge says, bursts that privilege. Yeah. And the reason why that could matter a lot is because it sounds like Cohen taped a lot of things. Breaking news, more secret tapes. Federal prosecutors tonight in possession of 12 different audio recordings that were seized during FBI raids on Michael Cohen, the president's former lawyer. This is according to court filings. And it comes just three days after we learned there's a tape of Trump and Cohen talking about a payment to a former Playboy model who says she had an affair with Trump. Kara Scannell is out front. And Kara, what do we know about these additional tapes? Right now there's a dozen out there. That's right, Aaron. We've learned today that there are a dozen audio tapes that are now in the hands of prosecutors who are investigating Michael Cohen. What we've learned of these is that one of them is the tape we've been talking about since last week, where Cohen is discussing with Donald Trump the payment that American media made to Karen McDougal, the former Playboy model who alleged an affair with Trump. And that payment in this recording came before the election. Now, what we've learned is that 11 of these other tapes include conversations that Cohen had with members of the media and reporters. Now, what we don't know is exactly how many of the 11 are with reporters and what other individuals might have been picked up on these tapes. Now, all this has come out because initially Trump's lawyers had wanted these tapes to be kept secret and out of the hands of prosecutors by saying that they should be covered by attorney-client privilege. But on Friday, they withdrew that request and the special master, the court-appointed person in charge of reviewing these files that were seized in that raid for privilege, said, okay, now that they've withdrawn this request, I'll hand them over to the prosecutors. So, Aaron... That is the latest there, but we. All right, so that is fascinating that there's these tapes, and you got to wonder what else they seized. If he's recording conversations, there's probably got to be all kinds of interesting notes. That could be fascinating to follow, and no wonder why he's playing ball. No wonder, well, I, you know. And it's one of those situations where, uh, you know, and I see Veratunda in the chat room making a correlation between this and Bill and uh, Monica. Well, Bill was impeached. I mean, he didn't get removed. But he, they went through the proceedings and such. So it's one of those situations, and that was based on the lie, <laughs> right? That was based on the fact that he said one thing and it proved to be something else. And at the end of the day, I just want the truth, you know. Nothing but the truth. And, and I and I want everybody to be held to the same standard. And apparently, right now, uh, some of our friends are not. What do you say, buddy? Should we freshen it up? I say little, uh, little, little uh, high little, note. Little, little, actually, before we do the high note, can can we head over to my sack? Because how do we get to the high note? Well, well, first through the sack. Through the through the sack. <laughs> you have to come through the sack. Exactly. So, uh, you know, hey, just one comment, but uh, you know, don't forget if you are a Club Thirty Three member, uh, look out to your inbox every single week. I send out a note before we do our live show on Wednesdays. To, hey. We want to know what's on your mind. We want your feedback. You can it is your direct connection to Chris and myself over at patreon.com slash unfilter. And our trusty awesome Club 33 guy, Mr. Veratuna, writes in and says, Hey, 
Well, that news finding tape's probably overblown, though. What narks me this week, though, is the evidence that the UK spooks, the GCHQ, have illegally been collecting data for knee on 15 years, and no one in the media or government is even discussing it, let mm. alone saying it is wrong. Yeah. It is some sort of collective shrug, yeah. which just pisses me off more than I can say, and I agree. I 100%. noticed. I couldn't find any good audio on that story, so we just I just read it from the register, yeah. which I have some links in the show notes. But Veritune is right. There's like no media coverage yeah. of it. Couldn't find anything. And they ask why I decided to pull my real name off the internet in about 2003 as well. Well, all I can say, it I saw the writing on the wall and nothing. But nothing, Chase? And nothing but nothing has convinced me that a dystopian future is not is what in store for us all. Sorry, it's it's hard to read. A little little interesting. Well, and there. you're super drunk. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very drunk. Stop being manipulated by the bread and circus of the twenty first century and start waking up and smelling the corruption all about us. Damn a bread and circus reference. That's Don't deep. let unfilters slide into that sort of brain dead commentary we see every day on TV. Hey. Hey, hey! Part of the problem. Hey, who covered? Who covered the story? Well, we did. Who covered the story at the top of the show? We did. Who did? We did. That's right. That's right. So don't forget. You know, it's one of those things where you know we take a lot of cues from you guys as well. If you have some digs and interesting things going out there, you can head over to our contact. Is that page. the only one? That's the only one. Well, hold on. Let me play your rap out music oh, then. I didn't know I had out music. There you go. And and that's, that was the plug. sack. That's right. Head on over to Unfilter. I'm sorry, Unfilter.show. Use the contact link if you want to send us some some cool inside yeah. stories. Things and like it, or things you just you, you can still get your email in, but if you want to get around the show, yeah, Patreon.com/slash/unfilter. Patreon.com/slash/unfilter gets you direct access. But now, I think we're fully woke. Is that it, really? And that was uh, a short sack, dude. I know. Like after all that buildup, I know. <laughs> I was prepared for a big sack, man. I almost feel like we. Well, we spent it all. We spent it all earlier, Maxine. But hey, I, I think my mom is calling. Oh yeah. Y- yes, mom. You know what, mommy needs. Mom. Mommy needs a joy. Okay, mom. All right. So let's talk about something that starts out as a tragedy and then shows you how uh, cannabis growers could be great employers. All right, Art, thank you. Now to our top story, a marijuana farm up in flames. It happened late Monday afternoon on Cherry Avenue in Greenfield. That fire starting outside of a greenhouse before spreading then to eight others. Oh, wow. Man, right? And we are now hearing from firefighters and the owner of that marijuana business who explains what's next for hundreds of employees. Yeah, so it turns out they're like the area's largest employer. Action News reporter Sierra Starks has more. Now, firefighters tell me that by the time they got here, the fire had already taken four of these greenhouses, and by the end of it had spread to this entire row behind me. Greenfield's first cannabis facility, Laupac Farms, on fire Monday afternoon. A little bit after 4, around 4.20, uh, we had reports of... So it's in Greenfield on <laughs> Cherry Avenue, it goes up in flames, and they got a call around 4.20. <laughs> Fire. And with the heavy black smoke that spread around town, there was possibly I know no way funny, you could I'm miss sorry. it. 
The cause of the fire still under investigation, but firefighters believe the fire may have started outside the greenhouses or between the greenhouses. Uh, we do have an area that we believe it did start and then it spread very, very quickly. Again, it was wind driven and uh, the, the winds pushed it through uh, the greenhouse uh, structures very, very quickly. We're told the greenhouses did not have sprinkler systems. Sprinklers would have indeed slowed that down and possibly, you know, wrecked the crops though caused a lot less damage now this what entire i don't know probably less than fire <laughs> i mean yeah i mean because like this really because you crops. would figure that the plants could dry out after a dousing of water yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed yeah, to yeah, yeah. being gone yeah bro yeah. <laughs> yeah. completely charred greenfield fire says there was a very rapid evacuation process and all employees got out safely very first concern was the safety of the people, and I was happy to hear that everyone got out safely. That was very important to me. And then the second thing is the loss of jobs, and that's what I'm concerned about, is these people that do have bills to pay, children to raise, I'm hoping that they can continue working. Laupac is currently Greenfield's largest employer, with about 300 people on payroll at the facility. Laupac says Monday's fire will not affect employment. In an email, they said, quote, we will rebuild our facility and no one should feel that their job is at risk due to these unfortunate circumstances. They start out with saying we invest in our people. Uh, so that's, see, you see, you see, so not only does it bring jobs, turns out to be one of the largest employers in the area, but then after half of its S burns down, it's keeping people's jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because at Man, the end, I mean, isn't it? Frickin' marijuana is so dangerous. Well, <laughs> so dangerous, dude. Hey, Chris, I don't know if you heard. It's a, it's a gateway drug. Think about the kids in those families. Dude, seriously. Who now have happily employed parents, securely employed parents. I mean, I mean, kids being able to wear clothes and go to school. Think about the like, tax revenue that's going to schools. Those think, Won't somebody please think of the... Wait, I think we've wait, got Wait, wait, stop. Now we're told that the fire did not spread to the main processing facility on site that you see over here. Just that entire row of greenhouses. And again, the cause of the fire is still under investigation. Reporting in Greenfield, Sierra Starks, KSBW. It's just kind of a cool story. And then while we're on the subject of the monies... There's a good story coming out of Canada, and that is... <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at the chat. And in other news, the rest of the town has a great day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, get uh, downwind, man. What? Dude, hey. dude, it's like, like, like I got an idea, right? We're going to set it all on dude, fire, let's, man. Let's, and then just get like the camping chairs out. Yeah, and, get, like, the hot and, and like the, the wind will just blow it at us. It'd be oh, great, man, dude. It's going to work, so it'd be man. awesome. Mommy needs a joint. It's not just crypto that's surging. Check out the cannabis stocks, Canopy Growth, Aurora Cannabis, Med Relief, all rolling in the green today. Here's a till <laughs> oh, one, Chris. One, side, side note, I know yeah. we're not talking about it, and you're not you're not doing your Bitcoin show anymore. Mm -hmm. What's with the Bitcoin on CNBC? Are they is this new? I don't watch CNBC. They've been that following much. it for a while, yeah. Wow. They, well, as it surges, they start putting a ticker up, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, check out the puns wow. in this. Check out the puns right, in this. You right, ready? Right, it's so yep. punny. Spot yep. stock that went public last week keeps going higher. Uh, <laughs> Get it. Uh, the stock price at 17 bucks closed today at $29, so nearly a double. While today, Acreage Holdings, yes, uh, the pot business backed by former White House Speaker John Boehner, closed a $119 million funding round and plans to go public. Wow. Yeah, that's the bit right there. Isn't that something? No wonder why Boehner loves the money now. Jeez. Oops, that's not the right one. Sorry about that. It's this one. Yeah, that is... 
the big thing right there is the money behind the company. The boner is backing. If you didn't catch it, here I'll just back it up a hair so you can hear it. It's that's it right there. Nineteen million dollar funding round and plans to go public. Nineteen million dollar funding. One hundred. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah. Or close a one hundred nineteen. Whoa. Yeah, I told you. Yeah, dude. Whoa. Yeah. So no wonder why he's all. Chris, we're in the wrong business. It's. It's time to close Dude, up shop. There was a time and there's a time and place where we could have gotten in the IT business in this. We could have made some money. Dude, I think we still could. Yeah, maybe. I think there's a problem. In the meantime, yes. if you would like to stick around, there's a lot more show coming up in the overtime. We're going to go deep into some topics, including expand on a few things we touched on here in the main show. But if you've got to go, if you're not a dessert kind of person, maybe Chase could leave you with a little wisdom to go get more Chase in your face throughout the week. Chris? People can head over to my Twitter, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. If you don't do the Twitter thing, that's okay. You can head on over to geekgamer.tv where you can see all I'm doing right now with all the pinball and geeky and gaming yeah. stuff that's out there. And also, by the way, uh, ggtvdiscord.com gets you right into our Discord. You can come chat with me, chat about gaming, tech. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Mr. Chris, if you know people want to see what's going on with you. Know you know what I'll say? Yeah. At Chris Elias. Hey, that works. Yeah, at Chris Elias, at Jupiter Signal for the whole network, and our live times, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We usually do it on a Wednesday. Get that converted to your local time there. irc.geekshed.net for the chat room. Nice. Hound, unfilter. Also, links to everything we talk about and more, unfilter.show slash 288. And if you want to subscribe, unfilter.show slash subscribe. Can I get another plug in yeah. real quick? Yeah, do it, man. To our patrons. Yeah. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Yeah. Honestly, you guys yeah. are the lifeblood of our show. You know what I'm going to do? Thank you so much. I'm going to give them a shout out right there at the top of the overtime just for them. I love that. Let's Thank do you it. for doing that. All yeah. right. Okay, everybody. Well, thanks so much. If you got to get out of here, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. And we'll see you right back here next, next week. week. skip to that next podcast the unfiltered show's not over yet in fact there might be just the best bits left in overtime I do try, mostly through the aid of caffeine. But thank you to our one new patron this week. Yeah, that's right! Paul. It's Paul. Thank you, Paul. You're our new patron this week, or patreon.com. Slash unfiltered. Thank you very much to you and all of our patrons out there who are reclaiming their time, of course, and staying woke. Reclaiming my time. Now, we have a lot of overtime this week. So let's let's start with a traditional. Let's start with the O Nancy segment, and I, I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I'm not here to make fun of Nancy Pelosi. 
I'm just here to document how screwed the internal structure of the establishment Democratic Party is and why they will continue to lose core audiences. I don't know if I can say continue to lose votes and elections. I can definitely say continue to lose core audiences, though. And that's why. That's why... When you see a good sign coming, you have to wonder what's really going on. Democrats There's something in the wind. Blue wave this November. Got the blue some wave. news today from one of the country's top predictors. For the first time this cycle, this election season, the University of Virginia's political analyst Larry Sabato said Democrats are now favorites to win control of the U.S. House of Representatives this November. Sabato today shifted 17 races, in fact, in favor of the Democrats. And one of them is Ohio's 12th congressional district, an historically Republican bastion from Columbus's affluent northern suburbs to its eastern rural counties. Trump won that district in 2016 by 11 points. A special election is scheduled there in two weeks to fill seat with a seat which is currently vacant. According to Sabato, the race is now a toss-up. A Democrat has not held that seat in the past 35 years, ever since the current Republican governor, John Kasich, won it back in 82. <laughs> I like uh, that... Uh uh, what's his face here? Uh, he gets labeled as having an angry mouth in the chat room, which is a pretty accurate description of his style of presentation. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's hardball. That's hardball for you. Uh, yeah, so we're talking tough, and it's sounding good, and it's looking good for the Democrats. So it must be Nancy Pelosi. It must be smooth-talking Nancy Pelosi. Except for when I watch her in public, I can't help but get angry. So what is causing it? What is causing it? Because when I, watch it, when I watch Nancy here, what I see is somebody who is peddling, somebody who's pandering, somebody who's talking down to an audience, somebody who had a strategy meeting with the establishment and said, one of the things that the right is getting is the religious vote. We've got to own the religious vote because religion really matters to a specific demo that we're trying to get a lot of. It's an expanding demo in the United States. You might say it's migrating north. And they're voting Democrat. And there's one thing that's extremely important to them, and that's religion. And Nancy Pelosi and her buddy Chuck Schumer and the others, they recognized that a while ago because they're pretty hip to what's going on in the mind of the people they poll. Well, the people they have polled. And that's you have to be religious. So Nancy's been working on that. We've been covering that on this show for a while now. She's been working on it, and she's trying to really kind of get it into any kind of public community event where she's with blue-collar people, and she needs to appeal to the average working man. So she'll start busting out her faith. And it's, um, it's just sloppy, and it's just arrogant, and it's just fragrant. America's letter carriers are the lifeblood of the American economy. So if you couldn't understand a word she just said... <clears throat> Yeah, I know. I, I don't blame you. America's letter carriers. America's letter carriers. You see, she's at a postal event. Those are postal workers around her. I just want to just tell you this one thing, because I'm a, a person of faith, and I see everything in terms of my money. You see everything in terms of money? person of faith, and I see everything in terms of my religion. My faith is the word you're looking for. And this is how you come into that picture. When you, of those of you who may be Catholic and go to church, you see St. Paul to the Corinthians, St. Paul to the Ephesians, St. Paul to the this and to that. It was the letters, the letters of St. Paul that spread 
Christianity. Again, if the Romans had not built roads, there would not have been a mail system. But the mail system was the connection, the connection, the spread. So I feel deeply indebted to the tradition of mail carriers uh, to the spread of a faith that I hold dear. Nobody in that audience was buying that. Not a single person. Not a single person was buying it. But I'm wondering if you're buying what John Kerry is selling. And that's that the Obama administration did everything right when it came to Russian meddling. We traveled to Martha's Vineyard this week to talk with former Secretary of State John Kerry about his new book, Every Day is Extra. We also asked him about President Trump's performance in Helsinki. I found it shocking. I found it to be one of the most disgraceful, uh, remarkable uh, moments of kowtowing to a foreign leader by an American president that anyone has ever witnessed. And it wasn't just that it was a kind of surrender, it's that it is dangerous. The president stood there and did not defend our country. He stood there and did not defend the truth. He did not defend the facts. And the danger, here's why it's dangerous, because it sends a message to President Putin and to the rest of the world that the President of the United States, the leader of the free world, really doesn't have a handle on what he's doing. And that he doesn't, you know, know either what the facts are or he won't accept the facts. So you don't and buy his walk back? Of I don't buy sense. his walk back one second. And by the way, how can anyone buy walk back after walk back when you take positions here and then you take positions over here and, and you're repetitively uh, walking back and changing. We are at a point where after the documented uh, untruths of this president, documented by many, many different media sources, that there's no credibility. You don't know whether to believe or not to believe. That's the worst situation you could have for a president of the United States in a dangerous world. President Trump frequently points out that this election meddling happened on President Obama's watch. You were in the administration at the time. We heard President Obama publicly condemn Russia for doing that, but we never saw him publicly confront Vladimir Putin either. Because it was just unfolding. We discovered this in the late summer. I remember the secretary being at a meeting where it was disclosed to us by our intel community. I think it was August. If I just unfolding. If I recall correctly. And so you're, you're in the last moments of the presidential campaign, and president is already being accused of, you know, engaging in trickery and, and in addition, trickery. Trump, President Trump. Uh, Not Hillary, though. Not Hillary with the superdelegates and buying everybody out and uh, the DNC strong arm and out Bernie. No trickery there had been already publicly talking about the election being fixed and the process being uh, phony and so forth. So it was essential for the president to put the people with the greatest credibility out front. And he did. The intel community went out, the director of national intelligence, the, the CIA, <laughs> they framed uh, the discussion. So that, so, that, let me just, so that President Trump couldn't, well, so then candidate Trump couldn't say, it's rigged, it's rigged, you look, this is a game for Hillary. Since when do they have credibility? When, see, that's the part I don't understand where that came from. Where did that credibility come from? The spies who run their own budgets, who don't answer to anybody, who run militarized programs that don't have to be reported to the public. Since when do they ever, ever be the, the, the source of all truth for our entire country? 
It's very strange. It's very strange. Speaking of weird stories, what remember that poisoning, that that Russian poisoning? Well, now we may have the Russians behind it. Of course. Well, it's important to point out that not only would these individuals they've identified be responsible for the attempted assassination of Sergei Skripal and his daughter, but also for the murder of Dawn Sturgis, who died three weeks ago. She came across this bottle of Novichok, which had been discarded. This was that uh, person that just recently died. Now, we now have the official explanation of how she died. And it was very strange. She was just randomly coming across this extremely dangerous poison in the trash after they had surveilled the entire area and locked it all up and poison control, whatever it's called, went through there in their suits and the whole block was shut down and they had a guard full time at the door. Like they went through that place and yet somehow this lady ends up in there going through the trash and you, well, I won't ruin how she got poisoned. But I got to tell you, it feels like something uh, my five-year-old daughter would have made up. On Sturgis, who died three weeks ago, she came across this bottle of Novichok, which had been discarded, thought it was perfume, is believed to have sprayed it on herself, and died as a result. Oh, look at this weird-looking bottle discarded in the garbage in the trash can. It must be perfume. I will pick it up out of the garbage, and I will spray it on myself. Are we really going with that? Like, is, I mean, okay. All right. I, that's, that's a remarkable story, though. Like, that's, uh, okay. I guess that's all it takes over there. That's, that's your level of propaganda. The murder of Dawn Sturgis, who died three weeks ago. She came across this bottle of Novichok, which had been discarded, thought it was perfume, is believed to have sprayed it on herself, and died as a result. But according to these sources, authorities have now ID'd several suspects. She's dead, so how? So they can make up any story they want. They, they can make up any story they want. Two in particular who they believe could have been part of this hit squad. There are no pictures yet, no names, but police working with national security services are believed to have combed through hours and hours of CCTV footage. Skripal, a former colonel in Russian military intelligence who betrayed dozens of agents to Britain's MI6 foreign spy service and his daughter Yulia were found unconscious on March the 4th. Most believe it was revenge by the Russians. The attack on Skripal, I believe, was basically mostly internal. We can stop there. <clears throat> we know that story. So we have potential Russian suspect. Oh, okay, let me see. I guess they didn't actually give you the details on that. I just can't stand that guy they interviewed there. Arrived shortly before the attack on Skripal and left shortly after. They believe that these potential assassins were using aliases and they've tracked them to a manifest on a passenger plane, but they do not know who they are because they're not on any previous British list. It's worth saying also that the security minister in the UK, Ben Wallace, has tweeted recently saying this uh, report is ill informed and wild speculation. Never. What? <laughs> then, then we've got nothing then. I'm glad I stuck with that. I, I like the refresher on the whole thing though, and I love the new explanation as to how that third lady died. Uh, it wasn't some sort of accidental exposure. It was uh, by wh whoever originally planted it. No, no, it was her coming across a bottle in the garbage and spraying herself in the face to smell good by something that's been thrown away. There's also something interesting happening in the big Russia probe that is being uh, run by the Senate, I think, and I'll let you listen. Maybe you can help me interpret in the chat room, but it sounds like... The investigation in the House is collapsing all down into one Russia investigation 
being led by people that were in the Senate in the original Senate investigation. It's kind of confusing, and it's not very clear in this clip. So let's parse it in the chat room. Versus close to the discussions tell Fox News that lawmakers are now aware of new records after the recent closed-door depositions from FBI agent Peter Strzok and his former colleague and lover FBI lawyer Lisa Page. I like how she runs that all together. FBI lover lawyer F- Lisa Page. So new records, quote-unquote, are now available after private testimonies. From FBI agent Peter Strzok and his former colleague and lover FBI lawyer Lisa Page. Lawmakers are now seeking records related to the controversial Trump dossier, an internal FBI file documenting bureau efforts to verify the salacious allegations. Another set of records includes memos from Page's former boss, FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, that's said to document alleged obstruction related to the Russia case. The meeting today on Capitol Hill will include four Republican lawmakers, the chairman of the House Judiciary and Oversight Committees, Bob Goodlatte, Trey Gowdy, as well as Congressman Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows. Fox News has told the U.S. Attorney John Lausch, tasked by the Attorney General to handle congressional records requests, is also expected on Capitol Hill. Among the outstanding records, those documenting the alleged use of confidential human sources by the FBI in the earliest stages of the Russia case. It's important to note that these two committees... All right, now here's the part that I want us to listen to pretty carefully. ...in the earliest stages of the Russia case. It's important to note that these two committees, Judiciary and Oversight, now have primary jurisdiction on the Russia case. So in layman's terms, they're in the lead, Julie, with House Intel now referring the dozens of witnesses they discovered through their investigation over to those committees for future interviews. Okay, so I kind of read that as... Um, the, the, the shit show that was in the house is now essentially handing over their resources and their assets. They discovered through their investigation over to those committees, the dozens of witnesses they turned. Let me go back a little bit more. Sorry to make it confusing, but I want to hear it again of the Russia case. It's important to note that these two committees, Judiciary and Oversight, now have primary jurisdiction on the Russia case. So in layman's terms, they're in the lead, Julie, with House Intel now referring the dozens of witnesses they discovered through their investigation over to those committees for future interviews. All right. Do you have an interpretation of what it is she just said, chat room? Because uh, that's a little thick, but it, it does sound like maybe that's maybe my original interpretation might be right. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. She's a robot. Yeah. Yeah. They're going from the panel to a bunch of committees who have no further power. That's another way to read that. You're right. Yeah. Okay. So there is a great moment with Sarah Sanders where she explains why Trump may be pulling that security clearance on those former Obama officials. The president is threatening to punish Brennan and Comey and Clapper for saying things about him that he doesn't like. Uh, is that presidential? The, the president is exploring these mechanisms to resu- uh, remove security clearance because they've politicized and in some cases actually monetized their public service and their security cleanse- clearances and making baseless accusations of improper contact with Russia or being influenced by Russia against the president is extremely inappropriate. The president contends that the fact that people with security clearances are making these baseless charges provides inappropriate legitimacy to accusations with zero evidence. So when we have further updates on that front, I'll certainly let you know. Damn, girl had a red red statement ready. I mean, like, boom, here's a statement. You read this. 
Ready to go. Chow doesn't like, and he wants to punish them for it. Uh, no, I think you are uh, creating your own story there. The president doesn't like the fact that people are politicizing uh, agencies and um, departments that are specifically meant to not be political and not meant to be monetized off of security clearance. Oh. Oh. Several questions to follow up on that. Isn't the president doing exactly what you just said the president doesn't want all these people doing? Politicizing matters of national security by going after his political enemies? No, the president's not making baseless accusations of improper contact with a foreign government uh, and accusing the president of the United States of treasonous activity when you have the highest level of security clearance, when you're the person that holds the nation's deepest, uh, most sacred secrets at your hands and you go out and you make false accusations against the president of the United States. He thinks that is a uh, something to be very concerned with and we're it does seem like it's been unprecedented I know I've said it before but it just seems like when have we ever seen that when have we ever seen that and that was Rand's take and all six officials who once held high ranking posts at the FBI the CIA the NSA and the State Department a privilege that the president says they have chosen to exploit yeah why you know Susan Rice what's she doing who's she consulting with moments ago Senator, good to see you tonight. Thank you for being Thank here. Um, tell me about your conversation with the president about this. Well, you know, I told the president in private what I've been saying in public, that I think there's a great danger to having talking heads on TV who are ex-CIA agents and still have classified clearance. There's a real danger that they might inadvertently uh, reveal classified information. And, you know, John Brennan's got a history of this. Back in 2012, when we were discussing, you know, we discovered the underwear bomber. John Brennan at that time briefed ex-CIA agents who were retired but still had top secret clearance. He briefed them and said, oh, don't worry, the U.S. has a someone inside. We have inside control. Well, then one of these ex-CIA agents went on television and said, oh, yeah, we have a double agent and nobody needs to worry. And it's like, whoops, the double agent was still there. So John Brennan's already been involved when he was on the inside leaking information to people who still had top secret clearance who were now talking heads. John Brennan leaked information that almost cost the life of a double agent. This is four years ago now. He should have been fired for that, but he wasn't fired by President Obama because I think he was a partisan. But now he's a talking head on the outside saying that basically President Trump should be executed. That's what we do for treason. And so, yeah, I'm very concerned about him having privileges because of his past history, but I would make it more universal. I don't think that ex-CIA agents of any stripe who are now talking heads should continue to get classified information. I think it's wrong. Yeah, so I guess that's you know the main difference in what you're saying. So you're suggesting that this should be a blanket treatment for all. So you know some people are pointing yes. to, for example, Mike Flynn, who had security clearance and you know chanted "lock her up" during the during the campaign. So you're talking about a blank. Is that what the president is talking about here? Because his critics are saying that what he wants to do is create an enemies list and that he wants to shut these people up. Here's Senator uh, Hirano. Right. Um, let me just show you what she tweeted out. She said, "This is what Totola." totally totalitarianism looks like. So why is she not wrong? 
I think that's a little bit overwrought. No one's talking about limiting anyone's speech. So an ex-CIA agent can get out there and say incredibly stupid things like the president is treasonous. Yes, no one's going to stop John Brennan from saying that. No one stops him from taking millions of dollars to say such horrendous things. But should he still get classified information? I mean, I would think that, you know, if you're a soldier or you're the head of the CIA, basically you have allegiance to the commander in chief. The commander in chief makes decisions. If you don't like them, you can resign, but he's no longer in government. He should not be getting classified information. He also has a history of leaking classified information that endangered agents in the field and almost got an agent killed. All right, so you, you're referring to John Brennan, and that's what you no, no, referred to no, originally. No, no, no. Hey. Hey, think about their money stream, though. If you take away their security clearance, they're not nearly as valuable. Think, gosh, come on, Rand. Come on, Rand. Also, what about getting them uh, Russians over here to interview some uh, U.S. intel, maybe an ambassador? Any any word on that? Any word? Thanks, Elliot. Um, I, I want to start uh, with some stuff that comes out of uh, Helsinki. I'll be okay. really quick because I think there will probably be a lot about it. I wanted to ask you a broad question first, but since the, this question came up at the White House briefing just now, and your colleague mm -hmm. over there gave a rather um, unusual answer to um when she was asked about whether or not the administration would support or would help Russian investigators interview former American uh, officials or Amer American citizens in general, um, but also former American officials, including um, a former ambassador to Russia. Mm -hmm. um, she said that this is something the president was going to take under advisement to talk about with his team. Um, why is this just not simply a not, is this just not a non-starter to begin with? Well, why, I, I, why are you even considering I, I can't answer on behalf of the White House with regard to that. But what I can tell you is that the overall assertions that have come out of the Russian government are absolutely absurd. Oh. The fact that they want to question 11 American citizens and the assertions that the Russian government is making about those American citizens, we do not stand by those assertions oh. that the Russian government makes. Uh, the prosecutor general in Russia is well aware that the United States has rejected Russian allegations in this regard. Those have been refuted by, among other things, uh, the uh, Southern District Court of New York in other cases that are uh, somewhat related. Instead, we continue to urge Russian authorities to work with the U.S. Department of Justice to pursue those in Russia who, in fact, uh, perpetuated the fraudulent scheme that Russia refers to. That targeted not only Mr. Browder, but also his company and others, and also the Russian people as a whole. So does that mean that, it, that, that, that at least speaking for the State Department, that, that you would object to, oppose, um, and not allow uh, or not, 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 not grant a Russian, Russian mm -hmm. request or demand to interview a former ambassador, someone who worked, used to work for this building. And I believe some of that would fall under the Department of Justice. So I'd have to loop but in the Department of Justice on this. This is something that uh, just came out. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to see the entire White House briefing a short while ago, so I will just tell well, you that Russian assertions are absolutely absurd at this oh, point. Oh, I get that. But I mean, mm -hmm. is this something that's just out of the question <laughs> that you're not going to allow? Because her response has frankly caused a great deal of concern, not mm. just among members of the mm. previous administration, yeah. but among Matt, former, well, former officials going what I provided you right hey, now hey, is hey, all that I have hey, for you on hey, this, Matt. but I will be sure to look into right. it and understand that it would be a grave concern to our former colleagues here. <laughs> That's interesting, that exchange. I like that. All right, you know about Sebastian Gorka, your good buddy? He's a war hawk. He would like to see us uh, do more war. 
And uh, he seems to be a bit of a drunk, a bit of a hothead. And uh, he says that Trump understands how fragile Iran is. And has a couple other interesting insights. So let's tolerate him for a bit. In what could be a step in fulfilling a commitment made to by Kim Jong-un to President Trump six weeks ago at their historic summit, new satellite images appear to show North Korea dismantling its main missile testing site. So is this a true sign of progress on denuking the country? Here to weigh in, Fox News national security strategist and former deputy assistant to the president, Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Uh, Sebastian, good morning to you. Good morning, Steve. Okay, so what do you make of the fact that it's, it looks like they're pulling the plug on that facility? Well, if the reports are true, if the satellite images uh, are being interpreted correctly, it's, it's very significant because these actions uh, apparently occurred in the last two weeks. So this is post the Singapore summit. This had to be a tangible decision by Kim, the Politburo, the, the upper echelons of the North Korean regime, which would be part of the, the concrete follow-up to that meeting with the president. I, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that has happened since Singapore is the cancellation of the annual anti-American parade by Pyongyang, because that's a very public thing. I mean, the people have expectations for that ideology-laden event. The government publicly uh, stopped it. They suspended that parade. But this is this is the brass tax. This is the the real deal when it comes to North Korea's capability to launch mm -hmm. ballistic missiles. I would imagine the president of the United States is uh, frustrated that the pace of the denuking is so slow. And so that's why yesterday when the news was maybe they're pulling the plug on that site. Maybe this is a good faith effort on their part to show that they are doing something. Yeah, I, I've used the phrase often with regards to the president and his team that he moves at the speed of Trump. That he, he does things with an alacrity, with a speed that we are just not used to here in the swamp. Uh, you look at the last year and a half, the things that he has achieved in just a year and a half, most presidents would be happy with uh, after eight years in office. But yes, I, I think as a businessman who's results-oriented, uh, he's probably a little frust frustrated. But in terms of international deals right. on arms control. This is pretty fast, actually, Steve. Well, what do you make of the president yesterday in Kansas City at the VFW uh, convention when talking about Iran now? Uh, he said, you know, uh, that country is no longer what it used to be. And now we're ready to make a deal, uh, not like the last deal, the last administration did, but a real deal. What's he saying there? Are we well, getting Iran? closer? Is that did that Twitter uh, tirade actually work? First coming from the Iranians and then going back toward the president? I've always said that's how you talk to dictatorships. Dictatorships don't care about nice protocol language and fancy, you know, meetings in Geneva or Vienna. You hit them hard. You talk straight to them. Uh, I think uh, the president was signaling in his great speech yesterday, he understands how fragile this regime is. The louder they bark, mm -hmm. the weaker they are. You look at the demonstrations. The demonstrations in Iran now, unlike 2009, when, when we had the Green Revolution, they're not just centered around Tehran. They're all around the country. So Iran's in trouble and the president knows it. And maybe he, he, this is the time to squeeze them. All right. Let's see what happens. A rescue mission. When the world is threatened, when the world needs help, it calls on America.
Israel that's has the story. evacuated hundreds of members of the controversial White Helmets group and their families to neighboring Jordan after Canada, Britain, and Germany reportedly agreed to accept at least some of them as refugees. That's after Syrian government forces launched an offensive against militants in the south of the country where members of the group were located. Upon request of the U.S., Canada, and European states, Israel has completed a humanitarian effort to rescue members of a Syrian civil organization, the White Helmets and Families. They were evacuated from the war zone in southern Syria to a neighboring country. Now, the IDF has called this to quote an exceptional humanitarian gesture. It has said that it carried out this evacuation at the request of the United States and several European countries and that the request already came several weeks ago. Activists belonging to the White Helmets consider themselves rescuers who risk their lives to help save civilians. But the organization remains controversial, particularly over where its funding comes. Most of its funding is from the West, and as such, it is criticized as being an organization that promotes a Western interventionist agenda. For example, more than $32 million comes from the United States. It also receives funding from the Netherlands, from Denmark, Germany, Canada, and New Zealand. So that's a big deal there. Those white helmets getting evacuated by Israel, supposedly at the request of Trump. And uh, some of them are getting stashed in Canada. Big talk. Big talk over there. We could talk a little more about Iran uh, if we want. Uh, you know, I... Yeah, all right, let's play it. Let's do it. Donald Trump has lashed out at Iran. He tweeted on Sunday that Tehran should not threaten the U.S. Otherwise, it will face serious consequences. And as relations between the countries continue to deteriorate, the U.S. now has Iran's media in its sights. They're covertly plotting terrorist attacks in the heart of Europe. Destroying Israel is at the core of the regime's ideology. It has committed and supported many acts of violence and terrorism against both countries. Now the United States is undertaking a diplomatic and financial pressure campaign to cut off the funds that the regime uses to enrich itself and support death and destruction. The BBG is launching a new 24-7 Farsi language TV channel. It will expand not only television, but radio, digital, and social media format so that the ordinary Iranians inside of Iran and around the globe can know that America stands with them. Oh! So this is uh, getting some, some pretty tough talk. You know, you got Trump on Twitter, you got Pompeo up there at the podium, and you got Lindsey Graham going on the media saying, we're going for full-fledged regime change. Now South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee. We're trying to develop a nuclear capability, and the question is, would they hit Riyadh and Saudi Arabia first or go to Jerusalem? The Arabs and the Israelis are now united against Iran. Mike Pompeo's speech was awesome. President Trump's tweet says there's a new sheriff in town. We're going to bring this regime down by helping the Iranian people. Regime change is the only way to save Mideast from just perpetual conflict. So there we go. The only way to save them is to have more conflict. <laughs> And we don't need to worry about any of the other regime change that we're doing. We can just go ahead and start yet another project. Let's do it. Regime change is the only way to save Mideast from just perpetual conflict. This regime needs to go. Yeah, I mean, how do you do that, though? And, and you know, what about, you said Marie was wrong in everything she said, but what do you think about the fact that sometimes this kind of talk can embolden the hardliners? What's your response there, to that? There are no moderates. 
Nobody is running Iran except the Ayatollah. If you want to run for office, you have to get his permission. Mm -hmm. They knock everybody off the ballot that's, that, that, that they don't like. So they're You ought to do yourself a little favor if you're interested in this war that's building towards Iran. And boy, is, is it going to be a big one. And I, the reason why I say that is I've been watching this buildup now for a really long time, like this really calculated buildup, the kind that we take when it's a serious threat. And the interesting thing about the Ayatollah is the reason they're in power results from a regime change that we originally pulled off in the 50s in Iran. So our original meddling in their government is what has led to the current regime's power. And now we think the only solution is to throw that regime, just like we did in Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria and Libya and all of the other places like we're, have, like we're aiding to suppress in Yemen. It is a mess all over there. And Lindsey Graham's logic is this will tidy it up. This will make it clean. This is what we have to do is regime change in Iran. There's a new sheriff in town. We're going to bring this regime down by helping the Iranian people. Regime change is the only way to save Mideast from just perpetual conflict. Now, that's exactly what we tried to do in Syria. We tried to help the Syrian people in their, quote, civil war. It was a civil war brought to you by the United States of America and its allies. Syrian Civil War, sponsored by NATO. It's a scam if you're influencing a civil war. That, by definition, is not a civil war. You see, that's the thing. That's the thing, Lindsey Graham. It's by definition, that's, that doesn't count. And it didn't work in Syria. And Iran is much more powerful than Syria. Sheriff in town, we're going to bring this regime down by helping the Iranian people. Regime change is the only way to save Mideast from just perpetual conflict. This regime needs to go. This regime needs to go. You see, you didn't know. You didn't know, but now, now you do know. You're welcome. Lindsey Graham, everybody. This regime needs to go. Yeah, I mean, how do you do that, though? And, and, you know, what about, you said Marie was wrong in everything she said, but what do you think about the fact that sometimes this kind of talk can embolden the hardliners? What's your response there, to that? There are no moderates. Nobody is running Iran except the Ayatollah. If you want to run for office, you have to get his permission. Mm -hmm. They knock everybody off the ballot that's, that, that, that they don't like. So there are no moderates in Iran. Break their back economically. Impose sanctions on their oil. Drive them out of uh, Syria. Don't cut a deal with Russia to give them Syria. Stand up to them throughout the entire Mideast. Help Israel deal with the Iranian Hezbollah threat. Break their economy. Stand with the wow. Iranian people. Get information into Iran that will drive the Iranian regime crazy. We're on the verge of history here with Iran, and I want to compliment President Trump and Mike Pompeo. We're about to pull off something very big. Fascinating. I just uh, Interesting that Mike Pompeo gets a, a couple of exceptional shout-outs there. I wonder why that is, guys. All right, that was a little heavy, wasn't it? Going to war with Iran, it's a little heavy. It's going to be, it's going to be possibly triggering World War III. So let's shake it off with Nancy Pelosi getting triggered every time she tries to say the word Constitution. Huh? This will make you feel better. Our oath to protect and defend our country from all and, and our Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, all and, and our Constitution, all and, and our Constitution, to stand up to Putin for his attacks as the danger this president is uh, uh, putting forth. And now with that, I'm pleased to yield to the distinguished ranking member 
uh, on the uh, Intelligence Committee. That was about the economy in Eastern, uh, in, uh, in, in, in Europe, the urgency of us acting in a bipartisan way to say to the President, John McCain. We may need some faith healers. <laughs> oh, the whole thing is worth it for that. That last moment there. Um, all right. So let's end the overtime on a clip that clearly demonstrates to the American people who's in charge here. This is after that whole hoopla around Trump uh, uh, put throwing the intelligence agencies under the bus and saying that he believes Putin. He then had to pledge allegiance to the intelligence agencies in the White House. And as he's pledging allegiance, this is I'm setting it up for you audio listeners because the visual of it's just it's a beauty. As Trump is reading his prepared statement of apology to the intelligence agencies, the lights go out, and then there's an awkward moment where everybody realizes what may have just happened. I'm going to play it just so you can see it. You can tell me who's really in charge. My meeting with President Putin was uh, really interesting in so many different ways because we haven't had relationships with Russia for a long time. And we started. Let me begin by saying that, uh, once again, the full faith and support for America's intelligence agencies. I have a full faith in our intelligence agencies. Whoops, they just turned off the light. That must be the intelligence agencies. <laughs> there it goes. Okay. You guys okay? Good. That was strange. But that's okay. <laughs> oh my god oh that's that's one that's worth having in your collection if you got the supporters thing sync thanks for joining us see you next week <laughs>